All right, Tristan. Um, I uh, wanted just to uh, tell you, first of all, man, how proud I am of you and um, to just how far you've come. Uh, man, it's been awesome just getting to know you and your family. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in your life. And dude, to be honest with you, um, man, having three more years, uh, dude, just being able to walk alongside of you and uh, help you and serve you in whatever way I can, um, dude, it, it just pumps me up, man. I'm so, so excited just to see um, how God's going to grow you in the next few years. So, um, all right, uh, a couple of weeks ago, what I did was, um, you know, we starting out of Acts 19, we were talking about um, how Paul is just kind of walking around and he sees these disciples, these 12 men, and he knows that there's something different about them, but he doesn't know what. So he goes up to them and he begins to talk with them and he finds out that they're disciples of John. And if you remember, what we did was we contrasted the, the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of John was repentance. It was one that was all Jews would adhere to, all Gentiles, you know, all the Hellenistic Jews, they would, uh, in essence, be called back to the law. Um, Why? Because God gave Israel the law to set them apart from the other nations. That was the ultimate witnessing tool, that they lived differently. And, And that's why in the New Testament it talks so much about living differently, but that's why I think Paul notices these 12 men, that there's something different about them. So that's the baptism of John. The baptism of Jesus is one that John alluded to. He says, no, you know, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me that baptizes with fire, that baptizes with the Spirit. And if we think about it, the role of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is He comes and He saves us. He literally makes us alive. And in John 3, when you know, Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus, you know, he says, you must be born again. But he doesn't just say you must be born again. He says, you must be born again of the Spirit. And so, one of the things the Spirit does is he saves us. That's how God saves us, through his Spirit. And then, after that, he empowers us. And in kind of this area, we call it sanctification. And I know you know what that is, but um, this is what I want to focus on uh, in the next couple of minutes, is that sanctification is one of the biggest roles of the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, this is how the Holy Spirit works in our life. This is the Holy Spirit's role. Um, Now, there's two things that we can do in our life. We can rely on the Spirit, or we can rely on the flesh. And we know Galatians 5 talks about this. Um, And specifically, Paul talks about the warring that goes on between the flesh and the Spirit. Yeah, there's so many times where we want to do what's right, but at the same time, our flesh, our spirit, is constantly you know, pushing us to do something wrong. And why is that? It's because we're depraved. We're sinful. Um, That's who we are. And so that's how come, you know, last week you probably heard me say every good thing that we do, every good decision, every righteous thing that we do, it's not really us. It's God working through us, through the Holy Spirit. And so the thing is, the question is, are you living in the flesh? Are you living in the Spirit? And so Romans 8.13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die you will die. Why? Because there's no power in your flesh. There's no ability to live righteously or to live above sin in the flesh. Um, And here's the key. You have to be completed in the same way you began. The Bible says that we were saved by faith, by grace, through faith. So, if we began our Christian walk by faith, and by the Spirit, then we have to be completed in that same way. 
So this makes sense because if, if, if we get saved and the Holy Spirit brings us to the knowledge of God, it's crazy to think that we on our own strength in our flesh can advance in that knowledge of God. We have to rely on the Spirit. So Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That is our mandate. That is our role, that we walk by the Spirit every single day. So there's some questions that rise up. I love to ask questions. So the first one is, how do I obey God so that it is not I but Christ in me, as Galatians 2.20 says? Or how do I work in such a way that it is not a work of the flesh but a fruit of the Spirit? And these are important questions because these are practical, everyday things that you as a high school, as a freshman, um, you will experience this through the rest of your life or until Jesus comes back. How do you live in such a way? How do you obey God? How do you work that it's Christ and not you? Mark 10.45 says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. So check this out. So the honor and the glory of God is this. Just like it says in Isaiah 64.4, He works for those who wait for Him. It's such a cool verse. So if God came to serve, not to be served, then it's the Holy Spirit's role to continue to serve us. It's not a selfish thing, it's, it's an empowering thing. The Holy Spirit is serving us, giving us power, giving us wisdom, giving us special insight that on our own, man, we can never have. And so the honor and the glory of God, the way God gets praise and glory in our life is that He works for us, but we have to wait for Him. And that's what Isaiah 64.4 says. So it's not about how far you've come. Remember this, Tristan. It's not about how far you have come. But it's on who you are relying on for your sanctification. God doesn't say, you know, at the, at the, at the day of judgment, I wanted you to be at this point in your life and you're not here. Like, why? It's because you relied on yourself. Okay, that... That's not what he's going to say. You have to understand God knows you better than that. What he's saying is throughout your life, there's sometimes that you relied on your flesh and there's sometimes that you relied on me. And, and, and those, those points, I mean, that's, that's huge. And, and so I want to give you five practical steps real briefly that helps you rely on the Spirit, that helps you rely on God. And you heard me mention these very briefly uh, last Wednesday. So, Number one, you rely on the Holy Spirit, number one, by acknowledging that without Christ, you can do nothing. And uh, excuse me here real quick, I'm going to flip through really quick, but um, reading my Bible here. John 15, 5, if you remember, it's Jesus is the vine, okay, and the followers are the branches. So 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. Check this out. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is a crazy revelation, bro. Okay, Romans seven eighteen says this. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Okay, so this is what is so insane to me, is that there's nothing good, Tristan, that dwells in us, except from God. Man, as believers having the Holy Spirit, He is everything that is good. He is everything that is awesome in our life. 
And so the first thing, how we rely on him, when we go into a situation where we're being tempted, the first thing we have to do is drop to our knees and say, God, I can do nothing without you. I need your help. And that leads us to point number two. You pray for help. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 2.12. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says this. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now this goes back to Ephesians 4 where it talks about walking in unity. Um, and that through walking in unity, making sure that we're doing it as so for His glory. And so this kind of just gives us a, a, a special little revelation here. So he says, you can't walk in a manner worthy of God if you're not relying in the Spirit. The only way that you can walk in a manner worthy is that if you walk in Him. Because God calls you. He calls you into His own kingdom and glory. And so for us to not think that we don't need help is crazy. It's crazy. Romans 5 verse 21 says this. Well, let's back up to verse 20. And the law came in that the transgression might increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we can do it, but it's through Him. It's through Christ. And that's what's cool. Okay? And so this is what we have to rely on. And this leads us to point number three. We have to trust the promises that He gave us in His Word. We have to trust those promises. Promises such as Second Peter. You've heard me say this. It's one of my favorite scriptures, it seems like, the past couple of months. Second Peter 1.4. He says, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Check it out. Look what it says next. In order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Dang. But it's by trusting in his promises. It's by trusting his word. That man, what God says he's going to do in your life, he's going to do. It's kind of like Isaiah 41.10. Let me, let me flick back over here to the Old Testament. Isaiah 41.10 says this. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxiously looking about you. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. He says to you, Tristan, I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. If you notice, he says, I will. I will. I am. I am. He's for you. He's with you. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you. Man, those are promises that God gives us. Man, if you flip back over to the New Testament in James chapter 1, um, man, this is an awesome, awesome, awesome verse. James 1, starting in verse 5 and going to verse 6. Look what it says. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. So right there, that's where we need to trust and not doubt. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So he says, if you need wisdom, ask God. That's a promise. If you doubt, you're going to get tossed. You're going to get tossed. 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ. 
Now think about this. This is, this is a promise. Paul is saying it, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. And we do not do that by living in the flesh, by striving in the flesh. No, we do that by striving and relying on the Spirit. On the Spirit. So we acknowledge that without him we can do nothing. We pray for his help and we trust his promises in the word. Okay? And this brings us to number four. Because faith without works is dead. So number four is we have to act in obedience. Listen, Tristan. Confidently knowing that God will fulfill. Confidently knowing that God will fulfill what He says in His Word. So real quick, Philippians, starting in chapter 2, verse 12. He says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Look what he says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, this is always interesting to me because it seems like we need to work out our salvation. It's not that we work ourselves to salvation or to be saved. Like again, we're saved only by the Spirit of God moving in our hearts, making us alive, making us fall in love with God. But that sanctification process, that every day of working out our salvation, what has already happened to us, we do that with fear and trembling and with with reverence to God. Why? Look at 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. For His good pleasure. So we act in obedience, confidently knowing that God will fulfill. Why? Because God is working in it. He is willing and He is working for His good pleasure. Look, why? For His glory. For His glory. So we're acting in obedience, knowing that God will fulfill His promises. Why? Because we're praying for Him for help. We're acknowledging that we can do nothing without Him. Why? So that He can get all the glory. And this leads us to point number five. That we should, after every time we act in obedience, after everything that we, that we feel like we accomplish in our life, we thank God that He was glorified. That's number five. And if you go back to 1 Peter, if you look in chapter 4, starting in verse 11, he says, Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, check this out, Tristan, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So be it. That it is God who deserves all the glory. God deserves every part of us. And so the question I want to ask you, man, is who do you, who do you rely on? Day in and day out. You know, when I, when I, when I got that word from you, from, from the Lord, and, and I just wanted to tell you that you were equipped, um, it was because, man, you are equipped. Why? Not because you're strong, but because God is strong. And, man, you're relying on Him so much that, listen, as I said earlier, God works for those who waits for Him. He does all the work. He fights. He goes into battle when we wait for Him. 
when we trust in Him. So, Tristan, ask yourself, man, whenever you're going through a hard time, are you relying on yourself? Are you relying on your spirit? Or are you relying on the Holy Spirit? The power of God working in your life for His glory, willing and working for His good pleasure. And if we think about it that way, if God works for us and we wait on Him, man, that makes that sanctification process seem a whole lot easier. It takes the pressure off of us. It's really what it does. That we just love God so much, we just want Him to get all the glory in our life. So I want to tell you real quick, this is how you remember. I put it as an acronym. I know it's stupid, but APTAT. APTAT. A-P-T-A-T. Acknowledge without Him you can do nothing. Pray for help. Trust His promises. Act in obedience. Thank God. Okay? Acknowledge your nothing. Pray for help. Trust His promises. Act in obedience. Thank God. APTAT. So, if you want to know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, APTAT. Okay? That's the most biblical foundation that I could come up for you guys um, to help you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, man, let me pray for you, and we're done. God, I thank you so much right now for Tristan. Um, God, man, what an awesome, mighty warrior um, I see you working and willing in Tristan to be. God, for your glory. Um, man, if, if I was to say anything, God, you have such a huge plan for his life. It is all over him. It's all over his family. Um, God, you've blessed him with tremendous parents and with an awesome uh, two brothers. And, and God, um, you know, I just, I want to lift Tristan up to you right now. God, I pray if he finds himself working in his flesh, trying to do it himself, God, I pray that he would just stop um, and, and understand Aptat. Um, God, that he would truly walk and rely in your spirit. Um, God, because we know that if we walk in the flesh, oh man, it's not going to be good. We're going to die. <laughs> we're going to die. We're going to wear ourselves out. We're going to drain ourselves spiritually. But God, you were good and you were faithful to work in us. So God, fill Tristan right now with your spirit. Encourage him, I pray in Jesus' name, to do abundantly and exceedingly greater than he ever thinks he can do. Why? Because your spirit is at work within him. And God, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Tristan, I love you, bro. Hope you enjoyed this. Um, you're probably sitting here thinking, man, I wish all his sermons every week could only be 19 minutes, but um, I love you, bro. I look forward to the next couple of years, like I said, and uh, I'll see you soon.